Michael Green, writing on our passage, compares the Christian life uh, to a riding of a bicycle up a hill. And you kids all know what will happen if you quit pedaling if you're going up a hill. Even if you've got some inertia to carry you along initially, if you stop pedaling, you're going to begin to slow down, and before you know it, you get pretty wobbly, and as good as you are on your balance, sooner or later, you're going to plop over on one side or the other. John Owen compares the Christian life to that of swimming against the current in the river. The river is pressing this way, and you are swimming against that current up a stream. And again, if you quit stroking, if you quit kicking, then what's going to happen before long? You're going to be carried downstream. Spurgeon compares the Christian life uh, to the child's little spinning top. I thought, man, things have changed with toys. How long have it been since I've seen one of those things that you, you crank up and down and it spins and then you let it go and off it goes and it, it stays upright as long as there is movement. But then as it slows down, it begins to wobble and it falls over and so it is in the Christian life. And yet another likens the Christian life to rolling a snowball up a steep incline. And the moment that you quit rolling it, consciously pushing it up the hill, then that snowball is going to move right back down and cover very quickly all that ground that you work so hard to win. And the one point of each of these illustrations is that if you want to go backward in the Christian life, all you have to do is nothing. Because of the incline, because of the requirement of swimming against the current, rolling the snowball up the hill, riding the bicycle up the hill, keeping the top going, if you do nothing, then sadly, some of those besetting sins that we may have thought we were done with years ago are going to rise up with the strength and vigor that is really frightening to us and as well depressing to us. To after a period of years seeing growth in the Christian life and then for whatever reason slowing down, not growing in the Christian life, then that foul tongue, that lecherous eye, uh, that inclination to steal, uh, that easiness to twist the truth that characterized you and me in our unbelieving state, it comes back with a scary power. 
Well, come with me this evening to look at 2 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. I began thinking what would be an appropriate Lord's Day message for us when it's the last Lord's Day of the year, something that is going to help us to frame our perspective for the new year. And Isaiah 40 came to my mind for a morning meditation. This passage came to my mind for the evening. And then I reached out and Googled it. What's a good New Year's Day uh, message? And one place, there was a, a listing of some 27 passages that are recommended. And another lists 60 of the guy's favorite passages that come uh, for this. And I was glad to find my selections list, listed in at least one of those two lists. And that was all the confirmation that I needed. <laughs> well, here we go. Roman numeral one. The challenge, the challenge to ever-increasing Christian growth, but grow, grow. And first of all, we begin with A, the impossibility of growth in our acceptance and election. There is a sense when it comes to God's choice of it, we're never going to grow in that. We're never going to grow in our acceptance, uh, the justifying mercy of God. Uh, they are at any one time as much justified as they are at any other time. As soon as I put my trust in the Savior, I become complete in grace so far as that was concerned. I was made perfect in Christ. And I cannot be made more than perfect, and therefore I cannot, in that respect, grow in the grace of acceptance. I cannot receive more justifying mercy. I have it all. I cannot receive more pardoning grace, for I have had it all at once, and so have become perfect in Christ. If there is a little blonde-haired girl at six years of age who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ, she will be totally justified at that moment she believes as a six-year-old. And if she should live for another 80 years and is now a great-grandmother at 86, she will not have grown in her justification, nor for a thousand years into eternity. The impossibility of growth in our acceptance and our election. But secondly, B, the ongoing responsibility for growth in the Christian life. And here we want to look for a moment at the term for growth, but grow in grace. It's a word that is used of the growth of plants. It's a word that is used of the growth of children. It's a word that is used in 
by Peter in his first epistle, chapter 2 and verse 2, you know the passage, as newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. We grow by using the word of God. But then looking at a different word for growth, but the same concept, we can consider John 15 and our Lord saying, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, you see this idea of growth. A growth, not only of the leaves, but the growth of the fruit, and a maturation of that fruit. So that Jesus says, abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. Those dead branches on the fruit tree are not going to be allowed to be there. If they are not productive, then those dead branches will be cut off and tossed to the side. Jesus uses that not only to say that the Christian life is a nice thing, that growth in grace is a nice thing, but to say it is an essential thing, grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus. But having looked at the use of the term, think with me of what Peter is saying in its form. It is a present imperative. Grow. Grow and grow and grow and grow and keep on growing. There is never a point where you say, all right, as a Christian, I'm going to grow for the first two years of my walk with God, and then I just level out, I plateau, and I don't need to have any concern about my Christian life anymore. No, we need to be bearing fruit for the glory of Jesus Christ. If you would maintain your present standing, then you must push forward. You've got to keep pedaling your little bike of grace so that you're going up the hill so that you can maintain the balance in the Christian life. Different word, same concept, Philippians chapter 3, not that I have already attained or am already perfected, but I press on that I may lay hold of that for which Christ Jesus has also laid hold of me forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to those things which are ahead, I press toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. There are some areas where there is an impossibility of growing, that in our acceptance, our justification. But there is this ongoing responsibility, and now thirdly see Notice the twofold realm. Where is it that we grow? The twofold realm of growth in the Christian life. Growth, first of all, in grace. 
Well, what is grace? Sometimes grace is when God plugs his nose and looks on you with mercy and compassion and says, I'm going to save you. But then there was another side of grace. Once God has united you to himself, then God comes and he gives a spiritual ability, gives an empowerment, gives a power so that we can grow in this grace. First uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 5, after giving the qualifications of a pastor, likewise you younger, submit, fall into rank, yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility, for God resists the proud but gives grace to the humble. He's not talking about the initial giving of grace to someone in their conversion, but he's talking to those who are already converted. But I trust that you have a sense that when you begin to be concerned about your own humility and pride spectrum, that as a believer there has been growth in your humility and a lessening of your pride. That's what it means to be growing in grace. It is a spiritual power, a spiritual ability. Embrace the fact that there is such a thing as growth in grace, our friend Spurgeon. You will not tell me that one man who was scarcely ever seen coming up to the house of God and who is daily in a state of religious starvation stands on par in grace with a man who is laboring for his master, whose love is evident to all, and whose faith is testified before the whole congregation. You will not tell me that there is a dead-level Christianity that everybody possesses the same level of spiritual power. If you do say so, I shall tell you that you have no eyes or that you do not open your eyes to look about you. For it is certain that there are some who are further advanced than others, some with greater faith than others have. There are great faiths as well as little faiths, great loves as well as little loves. There are men of ardent spirits who have grace more fully developed in them than it is in others. It is true that they are not more loved of God than the others are. They are not more justified nor more accepted, for in that respect, we all stand on the same level and there is no difference. But as to the development of grace, spiritual enablement in our souls and the display of grace in our lives, everyone must admit that there is a difference between differing saints. There is growth in grace, but it's not to be measured by years of service. Again, our friend from London in a bygone century. Do not suppose that persons grow in grace according to their years. Some grow faster in grace in five minutes 
than others do in 50 years. I believe that some saints progress further in grace in one single month than others do in 12 months or 12 years. I am sure that I may speak concerning myself. I have sometimes grown more in grace in one hour than I have at other seasons in a week, a month, or a year when God in his infinite wisdom has been pleased to give me a vision of the Savior or to break up the fountains of my own wickedness that lay hidden in my soul. I have learned more in one hour when the Holy Spirit hand has been upon me than I have in weeks and months simply with my own study. There is such a thing as growth. It's not just a steady thing. Well, uh, how many hours, how many years, how many weeks have you been a Christian? Oh, so you should be just about, no, we can't even begin to think like that. Further, growth in grace is not to be judged by our feelings. You may look at a fire when you've just put a few little twigs in there, when you've put some leaves in there, you've added some paper into that fire, and you'll get something that's fairly bright, and that bright yellow flame really lights things up, what's the problem? It doesn't last. And so we're not looking for a flash experience. We're looking for the brilliant heat of the coals deep in there, that there's an increase in those coals that are going to keep burning, we hope, for hours and hours. Spurgeon again. I can tell you that you will often grow faster in the dungeon than on top of the mountain. But it is not a pleasant place to be in. When our depravity is revealed to us, when our desolation of spirit and our utter hopelessness and powerlessness are uncovered and made manifest by God's Holy Spirit, we grow. I believe even faster than we do on the wings of seraphs, we are privileged to mount on high. So do not measure your growth in grace by your feelings. Sometimes when we just seen something that is really ugly and something that really stinks inside of it. We're not going to have any warm and fuzzy feelings about our spiritual growth, are we? But we may have just had a tremendous growth spurt by seeing how disgusting we are still in and of ourselves. If we are in Christ... We are in Christ by faith and not by feelings. And recollect that whether your feelings are good or bad, you are no no more or less a child of God based on your faith. He goes on. Doing things for the church is not the same as growth in grace. We considered this in Sunday school this morning where briefly we looked at Martha and Mary. Martha was very, very busy. And it's not that Jesus was saying, Martha, you should never be involved in hospitality. But he was saying, in all your Christian service, all of your busyness, don't forget the one thing 
that your sister Mary has chosen. She has chosen to be at the feet of Jesus Christ and learning and worshiping. So we can be teaching Sunday school. We can be involved in evangelism. We can be preaching. But the key thing of our growth in grace is more what goes on in secret than what goes on before the eyes of man. Growth in grace has more to do with private devotion than public exercise. It is better judged by our meditation than by our explanations. It has more to do with contemplation and adoration than with public service. So growth in grace. Keep going on growing in grace. But keep going on growing in knowledge. Jesus is the source of our knowledge. He is the object of our knowledge. Jesus prayed, sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. And we read as we started this evening from 2 Peter 1. And we saw the reference there of knowledge. And we're to supplement to our knowledge all these other graces. And so when Peter is telling us at the end of his epistle, well, I want you to be growing in your spiritual ability. And I want you also to be growing in your knowledge. Is he just now dispensing with all those other characteristics in 2 Peter 1? Well, I don't think so. But it's, it's almost he's giving a sampling. That I want you to be growing in your grace, but you need to be growing in your faith and in your virtue and your self-control and your perseverance and your godliness. But grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Now, fourthly, D, the Christ-centered root. Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, the Christ-centered root. And I hope if you have come to this church for any time at all, that one thing that is plain to you is that they talk a lot about Jesus Christ. If you were not to get that, then I would be very disappointed because Jesus Christ is right at the center of all of our Christianity. He is right at the center of our conversion. We must look to his perfect life. We must look to his perfect death there on the cross, and that's how we're saved. But after we are saved, we're to still be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. What does it mean to grow in our knowledge of Jesus as Lord? Well, Lord is a term that means that he's the boss. And he's the boss of your life if you are a true Christian. And he is the boss of the whole universe that he has made. And part of our growth is a growth in the knowledge that all authority has been given to Jesus Christ in heaven and on earth. It is growth in the awareness 
that though many will complain against Jesus, many will express how unpleased they are with Jesus, we have the assurance that in the day of judgment, that every knee will bow before him, and God the Father will constrain every tongue to confess that Jesus is Lord. We are to grow, not only in our understanding of him as Lord, but his redemption from the title Savior. He is going to deliver us from our sins. His humanity from the title Jesus. His mission, his appointment by God as our Messiah from the term Christ. We're to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Each one of those titles tells us something about the Lord Jesus. Well, do you have any difficulty with these titles? Do you believe that Jesus is truly Lord? Lord of the universe. And are you willing to have him as your Lord? Do you believe that Jesus is Savior, the only Savior of men? Do you believe in the true humanity of Jesus as Jesus? Do you believe that he is the long-appointed Christ? If you do, you are saved. If you do not, you are in trouble. And we as believers have the challenge to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Roman numeral two, the ascription of eternal praise. There was the challenge to grow and grow and grow and keep growing. And now the ascription of eternal praise from the latter part of verse 18, to him be glory both now and to the day of eternity. Jesus is the object of our worship. To him, and to him be glory. And who's the him? Well, the him has just been defined. He is the one who is the Lord. He is the one who is the Savior. He is the one who is Jesus. He is the one who is the Christ. To him be glory. And the nature of this worship, the nature of the worship, well, it's glory to him. It's not that you and I can take something about Jesus and make it greater. No, he's already divine. He's already got all of his divine glory that he needs. But what you and I contribute is to his honor. We honor him by saying glory to him. He is God. He is Savior. He is the only Savior of men. As we increase his reputation, we bring him glory. But then thirdly, see the duration of this worship. To him be the glory both now and forever. And if you have a little bit of a problem in giving glory to the Lord Jesus Christ, then how much of a problem are you going to have in giving glory to Jesus Christ 
for all of eternity. Now, and the day of eternity, Lily writes, it is a hymn of adoration and thanksgiving. It begins even now in the very shadow of the cross, and from the dungeons and the stakes of the first martyrs, it comes sounding down through all the ages in one continuous strain, nor shall it cease till caught up and lost in all of the multitudinous anthem that shall celebrate the birth of the new creation and the coronation of its king. There have been individuals glorifying Jesus Christ from the time of his appearance on earth. It's been coming down to us through the ages and it's a testimony to you that you are to consider giving that glory to him. Revelation 5 and verse 12, we've had the privilege of focusing on these words in recent days. Worthy is the lamb who was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. And every creature which is in the heaven and on the earth and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them, I heard saying, blessing and honor and glory and power be to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb forever and ever. Here's the mainspring. Here's the power in the Apostle Peter's Christianity. He wants glory to come to Jesus Christ. Seducing false teachers will pull away from Jesus' glory right now. Scoffers will detract from Jesus and say, where's the promise of his coming? Everything is just continuing on as it always has. Peter stands opposed to the scoffers and the false teachers as he bows before his Savior and says, I will answer your error, I will answer your unbelieving scoff by me worshiping my Savior now and even to the day of eternity. The challenge for growth. Secondly, the ascription of eternal praise. But now thirdly, practical questions from the challenge and the worship. And the first of these practical questions is this. Are you in a state of grace? What a wonderful thing if you would come through however many years you have lived and end the last day, the last evening, the last Lord's Day of 2023 and recognize that you're not in a state of grace, but you would like to be. Are you bored with Christianity? Do you have no sense from your, the center of your being that, that Jesus Christ should be honored, Jesus Christ should be praised? Well, be warned. For Peter says in his epistle that there is 
a day of God that is coming as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat, both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. And he goes on, nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for the new heavens and the new earth in which righteousness dwells. You will not always be able to think of the gospel of Jesus Christ as boring. The gospel of Jesus is not boring when we take into consideration that this whole world as we know it is going to melt down and be totally renovated. And if you're not in Jesus Christ, you will not be a part of that new heaven and that new earth. I challenge you this last evening of 2023, decide who and what you are. Are you simply a complex amoeba that has developed over millions and millions of years? Or are you a man, a woman made in the image of God? If you are simply a complex amoeba that has developed, then why is it that you have feelings of guilt when you've been a jerk? You see, the world is going to tell you that's just some evolutionary hangover. It's just, it's just something that hasn't gotten worked out yet. But God tells you you have feelings of guilt when you've been a jerk because God has stamped upon your being something of his own likeness. And the very fact that if I were to come wherever you're seated right now, make my way in, get access to your foot, and stomp on your foot, I can predict what is going to go through your mind. Well, if it's not going to cock your arm back. You're going to have a sense that that is morally wrong for me to do. And you know what? God says that sense of morality that is stamped upon your being is a proof of God's coming morality at the day of judgment. Look at it in Romans 2. Look at it in Romans 1. Who are you? Complex amoeba that has just developed over millions and millions of years or one made wonderfully in the image of God. Come home. Come home to God. Know that you are much more than a complex amoeba. Are you in a state of grace? Secondly, this evening, are you growing in grace? How do you compare yourself to where you were a year ago. Where are you in comparison to where you were six months ago? Is there ever a time 
when you have been more devoted to the Lord, more godly in your perspectives, more zealous for his name, if we can, if we can look and say, well, there was a period three years ago, or there was a period five years, or there was a, a period six months ago that I was better off spiritually than I am right now, then there's a problem in your life. Are you growing in grace? Do you believe that Jesus is God and sitting on his throne? Do you believe that God the Father will forgive you of all your sins through the merits of Jesus Christ, even if you are at a low point as a believer? Our London friend, you will not grow in faith by looking at yourself. One look at Jesus is worth 50 looks at yourself. If you would have more faith, keep your eye on Jesus. The wounds of the Christ on the Calvary are the mothers of faith. These are the breasts from which faith must draw its nourishment. If you would grow in faith, you must live near to the cross of Jesus. Are you growing in your communion with God? Are you growing in your desire to seek God's face? Or is your reading of the scriptures leaving you dry and cold and indifferent? If so, there's something wrong. Peter wants you to be growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Are you energetically pedaling your little bicycle up the hill? Stability in the Christian life comes by growing. It comes by pedaling and pedaling and pedaling. Growing in grace is associated with a, gross, with a growth in knowledge. What's on your phone? Facebook? Instagram? TikTok? Sermon audio. Books that are going to help you grow in grace. Some copy of the scriptures, whether for you to read or for you to listen. Is it all music? And music that pulls you away from God? Or is it music that is pulling you to God? Grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. What of your old besetting sins? Isn't that humbling? When you thought that you'd rid your life and then you quit pedaling and then boom, patterns from decades, patterns of thinking, patterns of speech that just come back out with a vengeance. Are you killing sin or is sin killing you? Some people, as you get to know them, you can see when something of their old man is starting to come out. And that's demonstrating that it's a bad time for them. Hopefully they can see it. Are you growing in gospel courage? Or are you ashamed of the gospel. 
Our Christian courage will always increase in proportion as we know Christ. We have far too many timid Christians who have not courage enough so that they would not be able to profess the name of Christ before the smallest creature in the world. They would be almost ashamed to declare, declare that they love the Savior even within a room that is totally empty for fear that some little bird would hear them and should go and tell the news. Are you in a state of grace? Are you growing in grace? And thirdly, what factors are hindering your growth? Your growth. What factors are hindering your growth in grace? Some cherished sin? A wearying ongoing trial? Persecution? Something that has happened where there's a controversy between you and God and how to view that thing? Are the vines of this world growing up and choking out your spiritual life as Jesus warned us in the parable of the soils? Are you disappointed and annoyed with God for not answering your prayers as you want it? Are you discontented? Discontented about your job, your home, your church, your circumstances, your spouse? You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is in your hand. Anything that is your neighbor's, my mind's already going to the illustration. Whatever God has put in your hand, that is to be your focus. That is to be your contentment. And if you're not content with what God has put in your hand, and you want something that he's put in somebody else's hand, then you've got a controversy with God. Can you see the good in the troubles that God brings to you? But as for you, Joseph said to his mean-spirited brothers, but as for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. Now if we think back to Joseph in our study this morning, Joseph may have had 20 years of wondering, why? Why, God? Why was I sold into slavery? Why was I sold into slavery a second time? Why was I thrown into prison for doing the righteous thing against Potiphar's wife? Why? Well, some 20 years after he first began to wonder why, he saw the answer. There's a famine, and God had sent him down as a Hebrew to be in Egypt, so with the famine, that all of God's chosen Hebrews' lives would be preserved. You meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And finally, fourthly, D, what will happen 
if you continue in stagnation and slippage. If anyone does not abide in me, he is cast out as a branch and is withered. And they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burnt. If you are a true child of God, then you are linked in with Jesus Christ, the true vine. And the living sap of God, the Holy Spirit, is going to flow from Christ into you and through you, and you will grow. You will bear fruit. But if you're simply a dead branch on the tree, then please be alarmed and go to Jesus Christ with fresh repentance that you may be a true believer who is growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Father, another six hours, and we will be in 2024. Thank you for the opportunity of hearing and considering your word on this last evening of 2023. We pray, O Spirit of God, that you will own your word. We pray that you'll take your word and make it to be like a hammer that breaks the rock. We pray that you will make your word to be like a plow that plows up the hard soil. And we pray that you would plant that word in our hearts and cause it to grow up and to bear fruit 30 and 60 and 100-fold. We pray, Lord, that our 2024 will be better. And we pray for some who this evening are yet unbelievers, not joined to you, but rather despising you, Jesus. We pray that you would deal with them graciously and powerfully. And we ask this in your wonderful name. Amen. Let's sing. <clears throat>